you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, back from vacation. <laughs> what are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Oh, buddy, I'm still on vacation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm back. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, man, doing good. Still a little hungover from that epic Super Bowl. You know, I don't think uh, everyone's asking me today what I think of the game, what what was my favorite commercials. I honestly can't remember much of it. I just know I had a good time. How about you? Well, it was a hell of a halftime performance, Mike. <laughs> Seems like that's what everybody was talking about. Who do you think won that battle? Oh, I think the men of America won that one. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm right there with them. That was probably the the highlight of it for me too. That now that I'm now that it's coming back to me a little bit. How about your vacation, Shane? You were gone a long time. Did you did you get sick of the the time away time with your family? Oh man, you know sometimes you you need a break from work. I get that, but sometimes you you know that old saying you need a vacation from your vacation. That's this guy. <laughs> Two thumbs at this guy. I had a little too much family. Family's like fish, Mike, and after three days they start to smell a little bit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we were pretty rock coming in from our two week vacation. So uh, no, it, it's kind of good to get back to uh, normal routine. Uh, but but don't get me wrong, we had a, we had an absolute blast down there. Well, absolutely, Shane. We got uh, not a ton of news around the league, but we do got some interesting things. Wanted to get your thoughts on it before we go around the league. This happened while you were away. The SEC announced their 2019 revenue for the last fiscal year, Shane. Mm-hmm. $651 million total revenue for the SEC. They split oh, that up 14 different ways, and that's $44.6 million per school. And I think a few schools like Missouri, you know, they were on the bowl band, so their, their cut's a little bit shorter, but... Man, 650, and I saw a graphic from somebody. Uh, I wish I had it in front of me here. I'd give him credit. But about 20 years ago, the, the figure was about $110 million, and here we're going oh. to 650 And they're saying with the new TV deal, we're talking that $44.6 million, that's probably going to get bumped up to about $70 million per school. <laughs> and we still can't pay Butch's buyout. <laughs> Let me hold a dollar, man. You know? <laughs> 
geez, five bombs it? You know, that's all we can do? No, I'm just kidding. I like Paul. <laughs> uh, I just think it's kind of crazy that we're so tight with the money on these coaches, kind of like what you've, you've hinted at there, mm-hmm. and just the absolute – I mean – they're already budgeting. They already knew this was coming in. You know what I'm saying? And and they were already – it just blows my mind that college football makes that much money. But I guess not. I mean, it, it is the ultimate sport, I think, in, in the SEC and, and college in general. And the fact it's able to help all these other schools with their other programs and, and other sports, you know, there's, you know, they're able to do that because of college football money. So there's a lot of good that comes for that money, but yeah, I'm with you. Kind of, kind of gets my crawl when I hear them having a hard time getting rid of a coach or finding a coach to fit the system. There's 14 teams in the sec, Mike, we should have the best coaches with that much revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the co- the teams around the sec, Starting to realize that. I know we both, we like to coach Matt Luke, but if you can get Lane Kiffin, I mean, mm-hmm. my God, old Miss now, we're all talking about him. We both like Coach Moorhead. Hell, they got Mike Leach now. So, you know, you're starting to see, I think, these schools realize that if we're not yeah. if we're not making it splashy, if we're not getting good hires, you know, you don't want to just make a splash hire just to make a splash hire, but mm-hmm. you're getting a big name that has proven themselves at the college level and and that's just basically bare minimum what you got to do now in the sec i think i know and vanderbilt with those library improvements they're gonna have this year it's gonna be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) all right last thing here shane before we go around the league i wanted to get these your attention i've been sitting on these for a little while and you know this is the kind of off-season content that we really didn't need to get to immediately so Get to it here. Just waiting for you to come back. But the Superbook USA online sports book, they were the very first ones to put out the 2020 Heisman Trophy odds. Mm. And we're, we're just going to focus, obviously, on the, the SEC guys on the list. I think uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, I think they were one and two. Uh, but right here, the highest in the SEC, number four overall, Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman. Hmm. That's a stunner to me, Shane. Thoughts on Jamie Newman opening at 14-1 to to win the next Heisman Trophy. And keep in mind, we've not even seen this guy in a Georgia uniform yet. A little premature, Mike, you know. <laughs> I, I read your article. I, I listened to the podcast. By the way, Joe, you did fantastic. I I, I I'm I'm a little too, I don't know. I, I I've got to see it before I can definitely put money on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and here you're talking. I could understand if it was like larger odds, but when you're talking, what'd you say, number four yep. on this list? I mean, I'm not I'm not willing to spend money on a guy I've not seen play in the SEC yet. Are you? No, absolutely not. And. You know, not, well, he may not even start. I mean, I don't know why everybody mm-hmm. thinks this kid's just going to come in. I mean, you've got you've got players on that team. He may not even be the starter next year. Well, I think you know you're right. You got you got to say that, but at the same time, I think based on watching him play, I don't really have any question that he is going to be Georgia's starter. But I think we just get a little too hyped when we get these the new quarterback on campus. There's very few guys that just kind of come in on a one-year deal, light it up. I mean, you're talking guys like Jalen Hurts, 
who was in the college football playoff three years in a row, SEC Mm -hmm. Offensive Player of the Year his freshman year. I mean, that's the type of caliber of player you got to be. I'm not trying to disrespect Jamie Newman here, but he is not that guy. Now, from what I've seen, Georgia fans probably, they're already angry I said that, but from what (laughs) I've seen with this kid, I think they can win the SEC with him. So I'm not saying, you know, he's not going to be the right answer there for quarterback, but you're talking Heisman Trophy. Uh, I'm just not seeing that. I don't think, I think this is going to be one of those odds where, you know, by week three or four, if you're betting Jamie Newman, you're already throwing that ticket away because I just don't think he's going to be of that caliber for Georgia next year. And if they need him to be that, they're they're probably in trouble. For sure. I'd rather take LSU's backup. Well, that, that will go right there because that's the next best odds, 25 to 1. These are the second best odds in the SEC to win the Heisman Trophy. We got three quarterbacks here, Shane. LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. Mac Jones, Alabama, presumed starting quarterback, and Auburn, Bo Nix, all at 25 to 1. Seems like you're pretty high on Miles Brennan. Would you put him over Mac Jones and Bo Nix if you had to bet right now? Is uh is Chase coming back? Chase will be coming back sophomore after <laughs> 20 touchdowns. I think yeah. that's going to be a good number one there for Miles Brennan. Yeah, I think I'm going to put him probably in the top five. You know, I I think when you've got that type of talent on your team, I don't think LSU takes a big as big of a step back as a lot of people think. uh, Now that Joe's gone, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know me, I'm I'm high on Miles, and I I think that uh, I think he deserves the fourth spot, not Newman. You know, I just not that Newman can't do it, and and again. You're, it's all wishful thinking right now. If we got the new coach down in there, Georgia, we're going to have a different style of offense. You know, I, I love the avenue. I love the path that they're taking. They're changing things. They know that they've got to mix things up to be competitive in the SEC. And is that going to be Newman? Probably, like you said. But, again, you're putting your cart in front of the horse. We don't know yet how he's going to fit in with this offense. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm just getting, I'm getting fired up about it because mm-hmm. I don't think he deserves a four spot right now. Yeah. And for me, I like what you're saying about miles. Brennan, I could certainly see it, but of these three, if I had to bet on one right now, and this may surprise you, I'm going Bo Nix. And I know really? I'm not, I'm not that high on Auburn right now. So that may be kind of confusing, but I just think that, uh, you know, we've really not seen Miles Brennan be the man. I'm not saying he can't do it, but Mac Jones, I think he's more of a product of all the elite weapons around him. And but I, he he did come on. I mean, he, he looked good at times, Mike, and he's got talent coming back. He did. So, I mean, he very well could be the next Joe Burrow of the SEC. But my money is on Bo Nix doing it in the second year. I think it was just incredibly difficult for him to come in as a true freshman and light the world on mm-hmm. fire, I think that's what Auburn needed if they were going to win the SEC. And I thought he played a lot better towards the tail end of the season for the most part, maybe with the exception of that bowl game. So if my, if I'm betting on one of these guys, and honestly none of these three are kind of like guys I really want to be betting on right now, I'm going yeah. with Bo Nix. Okay. All right. Next down the list here, Najee Harris, 40-1. to 1. That, that could potentially be an interesting bet there. We do Alabama running backs. I think you got the wrong Alabama running back, Mike. Ooh. You know, 
I, I don't think Najee is the star. I, I think he's going to have a big part of this offense, and I'm kind of surprised he didn't go to the next level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's somebody that's getting healthy, and they're saying that he was going to be the starter at the start of season last year. So, I don't know, man. I, I, what I saw from Alabama's running game mm-hmm. was pathetic What compared to what we've seen in the past. And I'm, I'm not willing to, to crown him the number one running back down there. Mm-hmm. Next up here, Shane, 50-1, to Kellen Mond, Texas A&M. If they have a huge year, kind of been waiting for Kellen Mond to break out. That's an interesting one. Thoughts on mm-hmm. Kellen Mond at 50-1? to If not now, then when, Mike? You know, I mean, I, I – I... I thought he would. I thought he'd have more improvement last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know how much more we're going to get in the off season. And the fact that they lost a lot of weapons there on the outside, uh, I'm a little worried about Mon. But this team is legit. They 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 do have a lot more young talent coming in. So wouldn't surprise me. But you know, I don't know. I think Jimbo's got his hands full here this off season. Yeah, I think you may be right, and I think. You know, I'm not trying to discredit Mont because I'm actually a lot higher on him than some other people. But when you're, it seems like when you're annually saying, you know, could this be the year he breaks out? Could this be yeah. the year? I think it's just he is what he is at this point, and I don't think right. he's, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. But that they may not need him to be at that caliber to make some noise because the team around him is getting so much better. For sure. I mean, we may already be looking at his ceiling, man. Mm-hmm. All right, here's my favorite bet on this entire board here. 60 to 1, Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. So I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman or anything, but I just think at that value, we're talking Dan Mullen. You know, he was the starter last year, obviously, but he didn't start the year. So now he's going to, this is going to be the first full off season where he's going to get all the first team reps. I think just being in that comfort zone year two, Dan Mullen, we've seen him. Throughout his time at Mississippi State, we've seen it with Felipe Franks. This guy gets the most out of his quarterbacks, and I'm already impressed with Kyle Trask. I think if there's one guy of a great value on this list, I'm putting my money down 60-1 to 1 Kyle Trask, and I think that's a, I think that potentially could be a winning ticket there. I think it's a great bet, Mike. I mean, why wouldn't you put your money on what I think is the best quarterback coming back next year in the SEC? Mm-hmm. I've kind of made that point before, and it seems like people are they're baffled <laughs> that I would even suggest that. But you know, I guess outside of Ga- you know Gainesville, Florida fans, I I don't know how how many people have watched this kid play because I'm not seeing any quarterback that touches him at this point in the SEC. All right, next on the list here, Shane. This was kind of an interesting one to me. Eighty to one, Zamir White, Georgia running back. Zeus. I think that might be a little bit high for old Zeus, but maybe. You know, year two coming off the injury, maybe he finally hits that five-star potential. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of it, but I think – I will tell you this. I think Zeus has a better shot of winning the Heisman than uh, than Newman uh, if you're picking somebody off Georgia's team. But mm-hmm. I still don't – I don't know. I, 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 I'd be afraid to do that because that's still going to be somewhat of a committee back there, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, the last guys on the list, and these are all listed at 100 to 1. LSU receivers Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall, both on the list. Like it. Alabama receivers Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell. Mm-hmm. Georgia receiver George Pickens. Texas A&M running back Isaiah Spiller. And then here's the other one that I really like. If you want a lottery ticket option right here, 
Our boy, John Rice Plumley, 101, <laughs> Ole Miss quarterback. Some people, I've seen some damn Ole Miss fans think that uh, Plumley doesn't even stick to quarterback under Lane Kiffin, but I don't think Lane Kiffin's, uh, you know, he's not a stupid coach. I mean, he's got a special talent there. I think he's going to stick with the special talent. And uh, if if I'm putting a lottery ticket on one of these options, John Rice Plumley, people that have seen this kid play know how dynamic he is. And, I mean, I he's borderline Michael Vick in my eyes. Like, he's that explosive running the ball. Uh, I, I think he could take a huge step forward in this Lane Kiffin offense. I like a, a – is it Waddle? I always think I'm saying it wrong. Is it Waddle or Waddell? Uh, I think it just depends on how country you are, Shane. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I would stick with Waddell because that's I, – I think, uh, you, you know, it's hard for a receiver, obviously, to win a Heisman. I don't think it's ever been done. But if it were to happen, I think it's going to be all-purpose yards. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's got a shot just just by that alone. I mean, he's just such a such a speedster, such a dynamic weapon back there. Uh, can really change a game. So that's probably the one I'm leaning toward. But I can, I can get behind Plumtree because – you know, again, you're talking all-purpose yards, running, passing. I mean, he may lead the SEC in all-purpose yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be all over the damn field. And I like what you said there about Waddell. I mean, they're going to need him to, to you know, run jet sweeps or return kicks, return punts. Yeah. And that's what's going to catch these Heisman voters' attention for sure. Absolutely. He's going to be touching it all day long. All right, buddy. It's been a while since we went around the league. You ready to do it? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, the biggest news of the week here comes down in old Baton Rouge where Coach O made the replacement there for Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator. And when this name first thrown out, I was pretty bizarre. I thought it was just bizarre, (laughs) but it's official. Bo Pelini hired as LSU defensive coordinator. Now, of course, he was the defensive coordinator uh, under Les Miles there. I believe it was from 2005 to 2007. They finished with the national championship, and he may have been the best defensive coordinator in the entire SEC during that time. I mean, him and John Chavis, I mean, they were up there for that kind of uh, title. But, hell, Shane, that was over a decade ago. He since obviously went to Nebraska. He had not overwhelming success, but if you look back at Nebraska's recent history, he had more success than anyone there. So you know he's a hell of a football coach. Went to Youngstown, that's where he was, and he was the head coach there as well. Went to one national championship at the uh, FCS level there. But beyond that, they didn't have a ton of success. And looking at his uh, defensive numbers from Nebraska and Youngstown, they were not really that impressive. So this 
is a little bit of a confusing hire to me. I think LSU could have potentially done a little bit better, but I think mm-hmm. Coach O at this point has, you know, he deserves, uh, you know, whoever he's picking, he's making the right choices here for most of his coordinators outside of Matt Canada. So I'm going to give Coach O the benefit of the doubt. And as I've said time and time again on this podcast, I'm a firm believer that uh, the players matter more than the coaches. That's not to say the coaches don't matter. That's surely not the case. But Bo Pelini is going to have more defensive talent to work with since last time he was at Baton Rouge, and he was a hell of a defensive coordinator then. I think he'll be a very solid hire here. But uh, just what are your thoughts, Shane, on LSU hiring a Youngstown State head coach who's you know, so far removed from the SEC. Hell, last time he was in the SEC, everyone was running out of the I formation. You know what? Yeah, no. I'm I'm more I'm more familiar with his parody account than I am actually him. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about him holding a cat for some reason, but uh, you know, yeah, he went to Youngstown State, and I think this is more of a career move, Mike. You know, it's not like he was just setting the world on fire up there. You know, I think that this was more of, Hey, what are we doing? Is this, is this where we want to be the rest of our lives? Or do we want to try to get back into a big boy ball? And I think that's what this is. And, and you talk about if you're an assistant, even if you're not that good, I mean, you talk about, there's a handful of dream jobs out there. Being a defensive coordinator at LSU is that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and he knows cause he was there. So, uh, that's what gave him the opportunity to coach at Nebraska. And that's what's going to give him an opportunity to coach somewhere else. So it's ideal. It was a career move. and But I am curious how, how it's going to fit because, you know, it's been, what, five, six years since he, he played anybody that really mattered. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the, the, the it's changed. It's a different animal. So we'll see. But I, I, th- I think he'll be fine. And so we've got some comments here from Bo Pelini. Really wanted to include these. These are the only comments that I've actually heard of Bo Pelini since he took this job. And keep in mind, I believe he was making, I think I read somewhere around 500000 a year to be the Youngstown State head coach. LSU's given him a three-year contract, $2.3 million per season according to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. So that's another thing that kind of draw my interest on this hire because, you, I mean, I, I understand you got to like sometimes pay a price to lower someone away. Mm-hmm. Why you got to give $2.3 million to a guy who was making five hundred k? I mean, I, it just doesn't really add up. But so I feel like... Was, it, he, was he still making that or was he... I mean, has he like ran his contract there at Nebraska? I don't know how long... Yeah, that's you know, a good he, point. Maybe he was getting some buyout money there, so maybe that kind of split the difference there. But uh, again, hell, if they win the national championship, it don't matter yeah. what they pay; they're they're getting a good rate. But it just it's interesting to me. I think he's the highest paid defensive coordinator now, and hell, he's not been a coordinator for ten years. So uh, let's kick it over to Bo Pelini. These these comments come via ESPN Baton Rouge show. After further review, uh, Bo Pelini talking about his decision to come to LSU on his relationship with Coach O, and I didn't know this either until he took the job, but they both worked for Pete Carroll. I just thought these these comments were pretty good. It was a, really a life-changing opportunity uh, in a lot of different ways, and, uh, you know, career-wise and personally, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we as a family, we've dealt with, you know, situations like this before, and we're going to, you know, we'll make it work on our end, and, and uh 
you know, it was just, you know, when, when it all came down to it, it was a family decision. My wife and my kids were part of it every step of the way and just decided it was time. I uh, know you know, enough to, to know that uh, I think we can work well together. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's very, you know, we both work for Pete Carroll and came kind of, um, we have a lot of mutual friends. And, and uh, so I think it's a good fit. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he, he likes the style of defense that, uh, that, that will play down there. And, and uh, obviously they, they, he's done a really good job of recruiting. There's a good, good players there and obviously they're coming off a national championship and so it should be fun it'll be a you know it's the next challenge and uh i'm looking forward to well the first report a couple weeks ago that wasn't that was far from the truth i mean we but we started talking a couple weeks ago but we didn't really um you know there were a couple offers went back and you know we went back and forth a couple times and um and i just took the weekend to think it over and uh and just decided that uh, this past weekend, and and uh, my wife and I and the kids, and we talked all about it, and just decided it is for our family it was the best thing to do. All right, Shane. So I think you really kind of nailed this one. You know, while he was uh, at Youngstown State, you know, he's com- just completely off the radar, and this is probably a guy that wants to be a head coach, maybe in the SEC, maybe in the NFL you know, the highest of the high levels, but just wasn't going to happen for him at Youngstown. So now he's back on the radar. And like I said, if you know, all the success Dave Aranda had parlayed that into the Baylor job. That's what Polini's got to be looking at this at the same time. If I do another great job here at LSU, that's going to get me right back in the mix to become a head coach at the highest level. And uh, based on his comments here, I think that's kind of what he's, what he's hitting at here. Yeah, it was more about, it was more about him, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say LSU made a bad hire here. I'm not trying to read too much into it, but it just, it almost sounded like a business move, you know, and, um, the family, you know, was set that they're, that they're ready to try this out again. And so I don't know, we're just, like I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back and judge. That's what I'm going to do, Mike, because as soon as I see that defense, because that defense got better as the season got, and that's something you and I have talked about. And, and if we see it take through two or three steps back, you know, because you can see that sometimes when you recruited a certain way, I, I don't know what style he's going to be running down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing. So LSU likely going from the 3-4 to the 4-3, Hell, they've got the players, so I, I don't know if it, that's going to be a huge issue. We'll see, but you know, you always think it's going to work yeah. out, but it that's not work out for the... Vanderbilt, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's all good and well till you hit the field. Uh, finally, here we got some Coach O comments on hiring of Bo Pelini, and these also come via ESPN Baton Rouge. But this time, this is uh, off the bench. Coach O was on. Um, Bo Pelini, your defensive coordinator. Official news yesterday. Uh, why did you land on Pelini? We, uh, you know, I've known both for a long time, and obviously, uh, with Coach Aranda, I knew one day that he would uh, get a, a head job, and we happy for him. I thought both was the best choice for LSU. Uh, when he came here, he had great defenses, some of the top defenses in the whole nation. Uh, I've known both for a long time. He and I have a, a great passion for the game. I think with the coaches that we have on our staff. This is an excellent choice. It's the best choice that I feel for LSU. I always want to bring the best for LSU. I think we got a great hire. 
Yeah, and look, uh, Coach, I, I played for Coach Pelini. Uh, I love playing for him. Look, he, he's a fiery guy, though, right? And so, like, stylistically, that is a bit different than Coach Aranda. How do you think the team's going to respond to having a uh, a bit more of, like, an in-your-face coach? I think they're going to love it. Obviously, uh, there's uh, several ways to coach, and uh, everybody has to coach within their own demeanor. Yeah, I love the way he coaches. I think, uh, you know, Coach Carroll, is a mentor of Bo Pelini and I. I talked in length uh, about Bo to Coach Carroll. He said he's one of the best defensive minds he's ever been around. I talked to Jack Marucci. I talked to Tommy Moffat. I talked to the ex-players. They said he is one of the best defensive coordinators ever been. I'm highly recommended. I just thought he was the best choice. Uh, and Coach, so Pelini, he was. He goes for the numbers at LSU are absurd. Then he goes to Nebraska and really puts together way better seasons than maybe Nebraska fans even realized at the time. But he's been at Youngstown for a little minute now. Um, through talking to him, this hiring process, how do you feel that he's kind of kept up with the with the evolution of the game, specifically kind of what we've seen in the SEC, which y'all are at the forefront of, like, yeah. like the, the rise of the of the offense? Yeah, I think you had a, he had a good taste of it, uh, being at Nebraska, being in that league up there. I think you saw a couple of those offenses. I'm sure you saw them at Youngstown State. Uh, but he's going to be very – in fact, we went uh, – uh, when he was uh, a defensive coordinator, uh, we went and talked to him about playing the spread uh, when we was at USC. So he knows how to play the spread. Uh, he's uh, He's been in the NFL. He can defend anything. He's a brilliant mind. All right, Shane, so you could tell Coach O sounds like he's still a little – you're buzzing from the national championship game, just having a good old time there. But uh, Coach O, Bo Pelini, it's interesting that uh, I don't think they've ever worked together. They just they have mutual friends here. But I don't know. I, I'm hoping this one works out because LSU being good just makes the SEC that much more fun. So, And I think this is going to be one of the, the critical hires of the offseason in the SEC because if Dave Aranda really was the mastermind down there on defense – and Bo Pelini can't match it. I mean, this is going to be it, it. Things are going to get hairy quickly here at LSU. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen it. Uh, Coach O, he's hit or miss with these hires, man. You know, I mean, you think about it. He it, when it brought in Canada, we thought he was going to be the cat, but uh, it, it was it was definitely not working down there. So I don't know. You just you, I hope that he made the right hire. Um, this it feels like a like a a foolproof plan that they got down there with that LSU defense. I, like I said, I think you could just about bring anybody and be okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few coordinators that are going to make that defense better. And I think that's what they had with Dave last year. And I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to, like I said, just sit back and see what Bo does. Uh, I see that they've already changed the spelling of his name. So uh, LSU <laughs> fans have welcomed me in. It's B-E-A-U-X now. So, uh, Bo knows football, so we'll see. We'll see how he does. A hey, worst case scenario, he makes a bad play call, and uh, old Derek Stingley just—I mean—blows <laughs> up the play and it pick six it anyway. You know what? Exactly. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to old Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Well, I thought this was some fascinating stuff here from old Tua, who obviously no longer the quarterback there for Alabama is getting ready for the NFL draft, trying to get healthy for that thing. But he was down at the Super Bowl. On the Dan Patrick Show, this uh, this was a very interesting question and answer here from Dan Patrick. Once again, asked Tua, you know, you were enamored with USC. You grew up loving Matt Leinart. 
You grew up in Hawaii, much closer to USC than Alabama. Why did you go to Alabama? Tua does not seem to know. <laughs> did you, you know, you wanted to go to USC. You've told mm -hmm. us about this. You loved Matt Leiner. Did you worry about the Alabama offense being kind of boring? Uh, not really, you know. I think the what what kind of went into that deciding factor was was my my father. You know, um, we took a visit out there. We we really only took about three visits. You know, and that was to USC, UCLA, and then Alabama. So, I mean, I, I did I couldn't really gauge you know what was good, what wasn't good because I heard Oregon had a great facility too. So, how did you pass up on USC if Matt Leinart is your idol? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's one for my dad, not for me. So my 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 dad is kind of the reason as to well, why I don't, I I don't want to put dad Alabama. on the spot here, but yeah, I, I was wondering about that. That you yeah. loved Leinart, USC. You had an opportunity to go there, and then you end up in Alabama. Yeah, I don't know how that worked out, but it it I'm I'm fine with it now. <laughs> All right, Shane, so as soon as I saw this, you know, this obviously went viral and everyone was saying, well, my God, Alabama's paying his dad off or what have you, but I don't necessarily think that's the case, although, I mean, I wouldn't rule against it necessarily, but I think it just yet again shows that uh, the dad makes all the damn decisions in this family. I think he picked the school for his little brother. I think he picked the decision to go to the NFL, but... Yeah, I mean, this is just—it was just kind of weird that uh, he basically couldn't give any reason for why he wanted to go to Alabama. <laughs> maybe, maybe because USC's coach was drunk all the time. What Steve Ayer <laughs> around that time frame? <laughs> Ironically, got the coach in the last year, you know, <laughs> full circle. So, uh, man, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. This is is. I'm telling you, man, his parents, his dad makes all those decisions. I can't, I can't get my kids to clean their room. I got to go talk to him. You know what I'm saying? He's telling them what to do, what cars to buy, <laughs> hitting them with a belt. I can, like I said, mine just runs the roost. So I don't know. I got to, maybe I got to go to his parent, parent conference. Also on the Dan Patrick show, he was asked to uh, share his favorite Nick Saban story. Apparently old, old Saban's a big D's nuts guy. You know, summer camp, you know, he, he could yell at me the entire practice. Then once once practice is over, like, you know, he's like joking with you, you know, and everyone's laughing and you're confused because two minutes ago he was just he was just yelling at you. Well, Josh Jacobs was telling us that story about uh, what did he, he, he dropped D's nuts. <laughs> right. Did he he's he's done that before to you. Oh. You can confirm. Well, your dad's here. I don't know if you want to. But, no, but well, Josh. Derek Henry might be able to confirm that. Too. Yeah, well, I've I've heard it. I've heard okay. it. Yeah, okay. I've heard it. I've heard it for sure. You know, I've heard it for sure. And it's one of those things where you know you're you're like about to take the snap and then he makes the joke and you're like, Did <laughs> you just say was that coach? <laughs> well, these are the stories I love to hear about Coach Saban. Shane, you never really get them while these kids are on campus, but as soon as they get off, we we start hearing about Saban nuts and. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I think it gives you a little window into why Nick Saban's such a good recruiter. Yeah, man, he's he's got it. You know, and you see some of these behind the scene videos. You know, he knows how to cut up with these boys, but you know, he also knows how to get back to business too. So he's 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 a hell of a coach. Mm -hmm. Last thing on the tide here, Shane. Just a little interesting nugget here, but uh, North Carolina graduate transfer tight end Carl Tucker has announced he's joining Alabama. 
for his last season. Uh, this is a guy with uh, 36 catches, a little under 550 yards, four touchdowns in 36 career games. So not necessarily a game changer by any means, but Alabama's been kind of striking out in recruiting at the tight end position for some reason the last couple cycles. So I think they needed some depth. And anytime you're going to Alabama and they got all those weapons all around them, uh, Carl Tucker, this could be their starting tight end next season. And he may match these numbers if he's getting, uh, you know, some open looks next season on this offense. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So let's kick it down to Starkville, Mississippi. Right before we hopped on here, Shane, big news for the Bulldogs. And this is, uh, I think this is really going to help them. I, and I've been trying to tell Mississippi State fans, you know, I got nothing against the bearded trader, but he just does not fit this system. And I did not think that Mike Leach was going to roll with him. And he's certainly not next season, in my opinion now, because the Bulldogs have landed Stanford graduate transfer K.J. Costello. This is a guy that's thrown for 6,151 yards, 49 touchdowns, 18 interceptions in 29 career games. And from what I understand, the last season, Stanford had three scholarship offensive linemen to end the season. So they were just devastated on the offensive line. I think that's kind of part of why Costello's leaving there, trying to go to a a system that's probably going to better suit, put his talents on display one last time before he – hopes to go to the NFL, but this is uh, one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks to ever go to Stanford. I think he was a top-50 prospect. Now he's coming to Mississippi State, and we were already excited to have Mike Leach in the SEC, but now he's got that big, talented quarterback with a huge arm to run his system. Unfortunately, he will not be in Starkville for spring. He, he I, From what I understand, he's a summer graduate, so he'll be there for fall camp, obviously, but just not spring. That would have, would have been nice to get him there for spring camp and everything. But thoughts on that, Shane? Mississippi State landing graduate transfer K.J. Costello. Did you say Keller Crisp? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to get too – I mean, this is awesome. I mean – Keep in mind, I this think, guy beat out Chris. That's why Chris yeah. left. I hate that something, man. Man, we come full circle, Mike. And uh, <laughs> I, th- I, this is what you want to see. And uh, something, something that you're going to get into here in a minute is some clips uh, from one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, and just talking about how Leach has this relationship with these quarterbacks, and you know, he he demands. Ex- I mean, he has expectations for him, but what he's able to get from them has always been impressive. So there's a reason this kid's down there. And Mississippi State has to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you teased it there, Shane, so let's just get to it. Gardner Minshew, he was also at the Super Bowl this last week, talking about Mike Leach's offense, breaks it down, how simplified it can be, and the trust Leach puts in his quarterbacks. This is going to be the task that's facing K.J. Costello. And obviously, being a Stanford man, a quarterback here, I think he's got the intelligence to play in just about any system, but the way Minshew breaks it down here, uh, it seems like it's pretty easy to get once you once you get Mike Leach's trust. All right, but you had you could have gone to Alabama. Now, mm-hmm. give me the quote if it's right, that Mike Leach, the legendary offensive-minded coach who uh, left Washington State, but he was there. Uh, we just had him on. Uh, did he say... We're going to lead the nation in passing. You want to be 
you want to lead the nation in passing, then you come here. If not, you can stay at Alabama. Yeah, he said, do you want to go sit on the bench at Alabama or come here and lead the country in passing? I was like, <laughs> well, when you put it like that, yeah. So That's pretty yeah. good recruiting. Yeah, it's not bad. It's kind of sells itself. And then you led the nation in passing? That's right. Yeah. What was it about, though, Leach? Because he, usually if you're a quarterback with Mike Leach, you're going to lead the nation in passing. What is yeah. it about his offensive genius, though? No, he just uh, simplifies things so well. You know, it's um, it's all about what the defense is giving you. That's what everybody thinks is about, just throw every play. But it's really about taking what they give you and counting numbers and um, just really chasing space on the field. Wait, 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 slow that down now. Say it in my terms now. Counting numbers and chasing space. Yeah, so it's common sense football. Like, all right, we have three guys over here. They have two. All right, let's throw it out there. Okay. They, they, we have three. They have four. All right, let's go to the other side. Oh. You know, so it's, it's just it's common sense football at its – you know, at its roots. How are you at the line of scrimmage, though, in having freedom at Washington State with Mike Leach? Oh, you have complete freedom. You know, a lot of times what you're getting is you're getting a formation and check, and that means you go call the play. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that's earned. Um, and I was, I was very fortunate to, you know, even just in a year to get that, um, you know, responsibility. You didn't get to do that with the Jags, though, did you? No, not quite. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little different. <laughs> but when you go to the line of scrimmage, so you have one play and then there's a check, to another play. Is that what you're saying? At Washington State? Yeah. Uh, no, so you have your whole playbook at the line of scrimmage, and that's what's so unique. The playbook's not very big, but you have access to all of it. So he trusts you to put us in the right looks, and that's what I think you know, is the biggest thing that prepares you as you move to the next level. So I think this is exactly what Mississippi State fans want to hear. You know, it's a simple offense, but you just got to – Leach isn't just going to turn the keys over to anybody. It seems like, you know – Based on what I've seen of Mike Leach, it doesn't seem like he plays a ton of, you know, freshmen or anything like that. It seems like he's always got a redshirt junior, a redshirt senior. And sometimes these kids only play one year in his system, but they come in and throw for 5,000 yards. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like Gardner Minshew, but yeah, I don't know. Just hearing this clip, if I'm a Mississippi State Bulldog fan, I'm pretty fired up about uh, this system coming to the SEC and, and my coach uh, running it. This is by far my favorite clip you played today, man. And just listening to him talk about coach and, uh, like you said, chasing space. And, you know, just he simplifies the offense, but he lets the quarterback make the decisions. Could you imagine being a recruit in in high school, going up to play college, and he comes up to you and says, hey, you know, and after you hear stuff like this, not only are you going to lead the country in passing, you know, but I'm going to let you pick the plays. Could you? I mean, this is this is what we do growing up. Growing up, when you're a quarterback, you pick the plays back there. Hey, you go left, you go to 15, take a right. You know, you're getting to do that and actually control this offense. So, I think the Stanford kid is a big deal. But keep your eyes out, man, because the one, the next one that he brings in, you know, it, I think is going to be very impressive. I think he's going to be able to build around, and um, this is by far this is a big get for them. But this, by far, is not the best quarterback that's going to play at Mississippi State. That's coming here in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially if Costello's able to put up some nice numbers here, mm-hmm. bring in this system, playing against the best defenses in the country. I think you're right. I think, I mean, they're just going to be able to pick whatever quarterback Mike Leach wants. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump on down to Lexington real quick. Uh, This was first reported by Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio, but tight ends coach, associate head coach, and I believe recruiting coordinator for the Wildcats, Vince Morrow, 
was offered the Youngstown State job, and he molded over there for about two days, I believe it was, and announced over the weekend that he is staying in Kentucky. And this is huge. He would have to take a pay cut, I believe, to go to Youngstown State, but he would have been running that program. We just kind of talked about Bo Pelini, you know, not being able to really use that as a launching off point. So Morrow, I think in a lot of ways, making the right decision here, just getting taken care of by Kentucky. He remains in the spotlight. And I put this out there on Twitter. Not that I think Mark Stoops is ever leaving. I mean, he's got, I think he's got the best damn deal in the nation. I really do. He gets paid as a top 20 coach, automatic extensions for winning seven games. I mean, you're not going to get that anywhere else. But if, God forbid Mark Stoops ever leaves for another job. If Kentucky's smart, I know they're going to want to hire this big-name coach. Everybody wants a big-name coach. But I would turn around and give that job to Vince Morrow. I think he's that important to what they're doing there in Kentucky. I think he will be a head coach eventually. Uh, but I think this is just big for Kentucky to keep their – this is their main recruiter too. So uh, thoughts on Mark Stoops keeping Vince Morrow on staff for at least another year. Maybe Matt Jones should take that job, you know. <laughs> Just get the hell out of town, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, this is big, um, you know, because we talk about Kentucky being a developmental school. Well, why can't that be with the coaching staff? You know, that's something that's why Saban's been so productive down there in Alabama. Mm-hmm. He's able to, you know, typically he's been able to promote from within. And, and you know, when you can create that type of system, it's, it's just – it makes everything run smoother. And, and the way that Kentucky's going, the, I mean – who knows what they're going to look like here in the next two or three years, man. And with this staff, I, I think this is one of the best – I think this is one of the most underappreciated staffs in the entire country. That's I seriously do. I think I think Kentucky's loaded uh, top to bottom with that coaching staff. And uh, I think that's going to start showing especially the better talent that they're getting in there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Gainesville real quick where Dan Mullen has lost an assistant coach because tight end coach Larry Scott, former Tennessee offensive coordinator as well, leaving to take over the Howard head coaching position. Mm. And I think that's big for the Gators there right before signing day, of course, because for anyone that knows the name out there, D. Beckwith, he's a key target here coming up National Signing Day here on Wednesday down to Florida and Tennessee and Larry Scott was his recruiter there for the Gators. So that may not be the, you know, end all be all. A lot of these they always tell these kids don't commit for a coach, but primary recruiter gone a couple days before National Signing Day and uh, Florida's tight ends under Dan Mullen have they've been playing really well. So you're losing mm-hmm. a coach that has coached this position well. He's a good recruiter on your staff, but uh, I'll be interested to see what Larry Scott uh, does there at Howard. I mean, he was interim coach, head coach at Miami there for a little while when Al Golden got fired. So I think this is a right move for Scott. He's got to prove what he can do on his own. But a little bit of a shakeup here on Dan Mullen's staff right before signing day. That's never never what you want to see. Do you think this was a long play, Mike? Hmm? <laughs> a little Tennessee long play? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, you don't want to see this, uh, especially Dan, you know, Dan needs to keep all the best recruiters he can on that staff mm-hmm. and losing somebody right for national sign day. That's, that's huge, man, because Scott's established some 
some relationships with these boys. You know, this isn't like he just called them once a week. You know, these they're they're pals, and uh, now that ties can cut. But I think you know, I'm sure there's professionalism here. It's it's not like he's going to be able to convince him to come with him. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, maybe he does the right thing and you know keeps helping out as much as he can. You know, for National Signing Day. When is uh, National Signing Day? That'll be Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, National Signing Day. We'll have some coverage on that. But uh, yeah, that it's kind of not as big a day as it used to be, thanks to the early signing <laughs> period. But there's still some big fish out there that we'll have to talk about. All right, Shane, last team to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Where Tennessee landed themselves a running back coach, Shane. Jay Graham coming back home, leaving Texas A&M staff, hired as the running backs coach officially by Jeremy Pruitt and company. And I think this is a great hire for Tennessee. Obviously lost David Johnson to Florida State, but Jay Graham has an outstanding track record of getting SEC and ACC running backs, you know, to play their best. We're talking guys like Marcus Lattimore was his running back at South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cam Akers at Florida State was outstanding. Dalvin Cook, who's now in the NFL, was another great one. Travion Williams for Texas A&M, best season he ever had. Best season any Texas A&M running back has ever had. And then Isaiah Spiller last year as a true freshman. I mean, these are all Jay Graham running backs. Now Tennessee's getting – a Tennessee vault, a comeback, coach running backs, and Tennessee all of a sudden's got a stacked running back room. So uh, yeah. I think the running back, if you're a Tennessee fan, you got to be ecstatic about this hire. Yeah, no, this is this is a great, great hire. I mean, and he's a hell of a recruiter too. Let's don't forget that. You know, he's you know, what he's been able to do with the talent he's had has been impressive, but the talent he's also been able to get to teams mm-hmm. has been impressive. So I think this is a this is a huge hire all the way around. The man knows his way around the facility. I'm glad he's back home, man. And you hit on there his recruiting abilities from the state of North Carolina. That's going to be a key state here for the Vols in the upcoming recruiting cycle. So, I mean, that's just another little added bonus there. Uh, now the only other staff movement here on Tennessee, Joe Osovet, the uh, quality control guy, the mm-hmm. analyst, what have you, he is also being promoted. Uh, but that is, is not yet official, but it is going to happen from what I'm told. And I think what they're waiting for here, Shane, they're waiting for National Signing Day because there may be more movement and Mm -hmm. they're not going to come out and give this guy a position and then have to shuffle the staff again. So uh, wait a day or two after National Signing Day. I think Tennessee will officially name their 10 coaches in order. So that's just something, a little teaser there for Tennessee (laughs) fans. That's coming up. All right, last thing I wanted to hit on here, Shane. I've already I've caused some damn outrage already here. <laughs> you f- can you feel that, Shane? Oh, it feels warm in here, Mike. What is that? It's a hot seat talk. <laughs> oh my God, we're burning alive! Hot in this spot. Shorts, I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Oh, can you tell me what it feels like? Ooh, what is hot? I told you again. When you're going on the sun, it's damn hot. All right, Shane. So the way I did this, I rated all 14 SEC coaches on a hot seat meter. Zero mm-hmm. means ice cold. You got no hot at all. Five means burning up. Let's just start with the guys here at the bottom, and then we'll get your thoughts on it. 
but I only got three coaches right now in the SEC with a zero, and that's Coach O, obviously, just won the national championship. Mm -hmm. Louisiana man just got an extension. No way he is he on the hot seat. Nick Saban, I know they just lost two SEC games, but greatest college coach of all time, in my opinion. He's still at the top of his game. And then the only other guy I got here at a zero, Mark Stoops, Kentucky. Any uh, any debate those those selections or anyone else you would throw into that mix? No, I think you nailed that one. Uh, do you think Saban's on the retire seat? <laughs> I th- we've got him every offseason. We've got him retiring. But uh... <laughs> well, let's say obviously none of them are on the hot seat. But who's the warmest of the three? I mean, this is going to sound crazy, Shane, but I think it is Nick Saban because he just oh, lost okay. two SEC games. That's basically unheard of in the last eight, nine years there at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Just lost control of the division to LSU. Imagine if someone, well, it could be LSU again, or it could be Texas A&M, could be Auburn. I mean, insert team, if they win the West and then we're going back-to-back years, Alabama's not winning the division. I don't, I'm not saying they're certainly not going to push him out, but I think you'd start to hear it, particularly yeah. if he lost two SEC games for two two years in a row. I mean, my God, they'll be hitting the panic button down there in Tuscaloosa. I think you're right, buddy. All right, these are my coaches at number one. I just a, a one listing, so they're very close to no hot seat at all. And it's uh, all the new coaches, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, Mike Leach, Mississippi State, Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. I gave them all a one. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't put anyone at a zero because we've seen it here in the new age of college football and even in the SEC. I mean, you don't have much time at all to prove yourself. Right. And you could be gone in less than two years. So I'm putting all these guys at a one. I honestly almost put Sam Pittman at a two just because that hire, when it was first made, very questionable, you know, the, how it came to be. But – he has just done such an outstanding job building this staff and recruiting. There's mm-hmm. no way in no way I was going to give him a two here. And the only other number one, this guy's borderline zero, but he's right there at one. Dan Mullen, Florida. And I'm not saying that he's, you know, heating up here or anything, but he said it himself. The Gator standard. They say that all the time. It's to win championships. And this guy cannot beat Georgia. If he can't beat Georgia for third year in a row, I'm not saying certainly Florida's not going to want to get rid of him, but you're going to start hearing those things. Can he beat Kirby? You know, we we can't recruit up to their level. We can't beat him on the field. Uh, LSU, our cross-division rival, just won the national championship. I mean, you're going to hear – you're going to start to hear it. So, Dan Mullen, I got him very, very close to a zero, but I had to put him on number one until he kind of wins that – he's got to beat Georgia – but to get him down to that zero mark, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that that's strong list. Uh, so you, so obviously he's the coldest of this group. Um, mm-hmm. and I agree with you there. I think he is closer to zero. Um, the more I think about it, just what he's been able to do last two seasons, but the warmest of this group, I think, even though you kind of talked about, I think Sam Pittman's still pretty warm and that's more to do with how his, his, uh, his pay is structured, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this, this was made really easy to get out of, uh, by the, the AD there in Arkansas. So I think if we see a, a same 
type of season we saw this year, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they pulled the you know pulled the leash. It's just I think he's got a shorter leash than all the other new coaches. Yeah, I think that. And the the only other thing I would say, you know, he I know Eli Drinkwitz had that one year at Appalachia State. It was an outstanding year for him. So he's only had one year of head coaching. Obviously, Sam Pittman's got none. So when you're handing over the keys to your program, you know, you assume it's going to work out, but some some people just can't handle it, and they can't handle that spotlight. It's, right. it's just different being a head coach. It just is. So Sam Pittman and a little bit to, it, to an extent Drinkwitz here, they need to kind of prove it here in the SEC as head coaches. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to I got two guys at, at a two, Shane. Jeremy Pruitt. We'll start with him, and for me, that comes down to the fact that I know Tennessee, obviously close, strong. Everybody's damn proud up there at Rocky Top to have Pruitt on staff now. Three months ago, they're ready to fire his ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's got to prove a, he's got to prove two things to me, Shane. He has got to prove. Now I'm not going to sit here and you know hold the Georgia State game against him for the rest of his life, but he's got to prove that he can do a better job getting a team prepared to start the season because you go back to his first year too I know it's just his very first year but they got smoked against West Virginia they were barely beating teams like UTEP so I I think he's got a slight issue there and I've even heard Fulmer address it you know that's got to be the focus of the offseason at Tennessee is getting off to a better start and then obviously the more pressing issue on Rocky Top he's got to be more competitive against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. It's not mm-hmm. to say Tennessee has got to beat all those teams all the time, but he's got to stop getting your ass kicked by him, and, and he's kind of yet to prove that uh, he's, he can do that as a head coach. This blame was a lot higher to start of the last season, you know what I'm saying? But he, he turned it around, and I, I get that. I, I don't think it's that hot, uh, and, you know, but if they start out like they did last year, buddy, that flame's going to get real hot real quick. Mm-hmm. Now, the other two I've got here, Jimbo Fisher. I almost put him at a three, Shane. And I think that had a lot to do with the last SEC game we saw the Aggies play. I mean, they just got their ass handed to them by LSU. And that, I mean, when you hire someone and you give them a $75 million contract, you have got to put those behind you. And here we are at the, the tail end of his year two, and it's still happening. That that has got to be the last time, in my opinion, that that ever happens to Texas A&M in an SEC football game. I don't care who the opponent is. So that's already why I'm kind of ratcheting up the, the heat a little bit. But, mm-hmm. of course, he's got such a long extension. It's all guaranteed. So by no means are they going to pull the plug on this guy this soon. This is really going to be a big year for the Yaggies. It's got to be year three. He's putting in the work. It's basically his entire roster is mostly guys that he's recruited. So um, I could see this thing ratcheted up quickly, but due to really just having that lengthy (laughs) valued (laughs) contract, I couldn't really justify putting him any higher than number two. But uh, what are your thoughts there at Jimbo Fisher with with a two ranking? Uh, I'm, this is the only one I disagreed with you. I think he's a three. And and the reason I think he's higher, uh, some of the things you've mentioned, uh, the, there's a lot more pressure at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more money. You know, they brought him in to make things happen immediately, not to, 
not to wait for. This isn't a rebuild. You know, they right. this this should be a reload in their opinion. And um, I think the hype train is starting to pick up on Texas A&M, which it should. There's a lot of talent on that roster. And that's only going to get louder as the season approaches. And that's what concerns me because if they have a season like they did this year, next year, he, he could be gone because money's not an issue. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are looking at that uh, that salary and saying, you know what, they, there's no way Jimbo's going to get fired. You just told me that they're going to make $70 million just SEC money next year. They'll find a way. They'll find money. Uh, that's not an issue down there. So that's the one I'm, I'm probably going to move up just a little bit more just because the expectations are a lot higher in Texas A&M than they are at Tennessee. Yeah, and the, of course you got guys like Chris Peterson and Urban Meyer out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean that it it's almost crazy to think about, but they could pay Jimbo to go away, and I think they could still bounce back and hire one of those give get those guys whatever the hell they want. Get Dallas's ex coach, you know, just bring him on down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the only guy I've got out of three here. This has been the one that's been causing the most outrage here from old dog nation, Kirby smart. I got him out of three. I think a lot of people perplexed by that. And I'll tell you why Shane, why I've got Kirby on a three. I really do think this is not a make or break. That's the wrong word here, but it's, I just feel like Kirby's at a crossroads in Athens, his defense, which is his baby. Obviously they're outstanding. They're going to be probably even better next season. Maybe the best defense in the nation. But that offense was so loaded. I mean, hell, we did a podcast, you know, at least once a week for six months talking up this offensive line. And they had Sam Pittman. And they had Jake Fromm, who won the damn SEC East every time he suited up. They got all these weapons. And they just couldn't do anything of it. And then you mm-hmm. look across the division and you see Alabama and LSU tearing it up. So Kirby had to make a move here. But, I mean, we're already seeing it. Jamie Newman, number one Heisman contender of the SEC. Uh, he's brought in the new offensive coordinator. If Newman fails and Todd Mulkin fails, I don't think necessarily Kirby Smart's going to get fired, but I think they're going to push his ass on the coals of that hot seat (laughs) because what are we doing here? We're getting rid of Mark Richt for the same damn thing because Georgia has got to win a national championship and Kirby Smart may have done himself – I mean, the worst thing he could have ever done probably was get to that national championship so soon and not win it because that's the expectation. Last year you told me in the offseason that Tua was going to get hurt and Alabama wasn't going to win the national championship or the SEC, I would have put everything I had on Georgia winning it. And mm-hmm. they, they were not even close. Yeah. And you look at games they've lost, like the South Carolina game. I know Jake Fromm had a bad game there, but that was full of Kirby Smart having coaching errors. He's had coaching errors in a lot of big games. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach because you can't even get there if you're a good coach. So, he, I mean, he's, right. he's getting there. But he's just not finishing in the deal. And like I said, I'm picking Georgia once again. I'm picking him right now to win the SEC. So I think he's got it in him. He's got the talent to get this done. But if he doesn't get it done for the second year in a row with all this talent, I think he's going to be on a hot seat. I, I really do. And I think they'll they'll find a better coach. If he cannot get it done, he's got no excuses. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to start saying, is this Mark Rick 2.0? You know, mm -hmm. there's already that comparison out there with their record. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm going to hold off. I, I don't think it's that hot down there. Um, you know, like you said, the defense has been great. What he's doing with the offense, he he did a lot like Coach O did. You know, hey, what we didn't have, what we had didn't work. Let's flush it. Let's fix it quick. And it, it feels like that's what they've tried to do down there in Georgia. So, um, that's that's a head coach for you. And does it show up on the field? I think so. I think it will. And at the end of the season next year, I think we'll be looking back and saying, you know what, he's still a hell of a hire. And you know, uh, this was just talking points in the off season. But there's still that chance, Mike. You know, you drop two or three games next year, then all of a sudden, I mean, that's that's the that's where the expectation levels in Georgia competing being in a national championship, winning an SEC championship. That's what they're expected to do at the University of Georgia. Uh, so does that happen? We're going to find out real quick, man. All right, the only guy here I've got ranked at a four. Oh, the Gus bus is starting to break down on me, Shane. <laughs> Gus Malzahn, they're on the planes. Yes, he just won the Iron Bowl. He's done that before, and and. Got his ass right on the hot seat again, too. So, I mean, this this is just the most bizarre place in the SEC when you want to talk about hot seat discussion. Auburn had the best defense they probably ever had last year. Still found a way to lose a couple of games because it's because of his offense. Because you you could you know I've seen a lot of people call out Bo Nix, but. Hell, that's on Gus Malzahn for not having a better option than just a true freshman out there. So it's his baby on offense. That's what's holding them back. Not saying Gus is, you know, gonna get fired, but they got a they're gonna have a totally reworked offensive line. They're gonna have a rebuilt defense. I could see that defense taking a step back. I could see that offensive line failing on them. And if it does, what are they gonna have? to to be their calling card next year and I don't think it's going to be his running game and I don't I just don't think that defense is going to be able to match up what they were doing last year so I think Auburn could be in for a really really tough year here and that's going to ratchet up that hot seat in a hurry and I still cannot get over I watched that Minnesota bowl game two three times and man they just they had no business even being in that game they basically yeah. were breaking out it seemed like they had about four offensive plays, yet they won the game. They outcoached Auburn very badly, I thought, in that game. And it just goes to show you that Gus, in a lot of these big games, you know, it's just not matching up to what he should be, in my opinion. And and uh, I, I think by next time, this time next year, we're going to be saying, how in the hell did they not do better with that defense they had last year? And it's, it's because we were running Gus Malzahn's offense. Yeah. And it's, you know, his career has been kind of a seesaw too. You know, it's a good year followed up by a bad year. So last year was a good year. I mean, forget the Outback Bowl. I mean, uh, they, they had nine wins that, that anybody would say that's a good year for Auburn, but expectations are higher at Auburn. Of course, you could say that with just about any team in the SEC, but it just, it's just, I don't know. He's, he's been around long enough to do something. You know, and it's time to do something. You've got this quarterback. You've given him a lot of hype. You think Bo may be uh, having a breakout season next year. And if he does, fantastic. But if he doesn't and some of the, you know, it, it, who's he going to blame? Coach Morris, the guy he brought in as a coordinator? You right. know, is this – so, I mean, there's there's a lot of 
questionable moves that they've made so far that I'm not a big fan of. But, um, you know, the the main thing is, and I hate to say it, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bo Nix, and, and it's kind of his baby. And I think however good or however bad he is next season is going to determine if Malzahn comes back the following season. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on this one. Uh, it could go either way. All right, last two coaches here, Shane. Their coaches, their seats are so damn hot, they can't even sit on them <laughs> at this point. I'm going Derek Mason Vanderbilt and, of course, Will Muschamp, South Carolina, two SEC East coaches. I don't even think Derek Mason would still be there had they not given him an extension leading up to last season. They were so bad, but at least they've made some coordinator changes. Same thing with Will Muschamp. I mean, hell, the administration, half of them seemed like they wanted his ass out. Half of them <laughs> wanted it back. They were they were flip-flopping each week. It's not to say these coaches can't save themselves. I think Will Muschamp, uh, you know, you don't have uh, – you got a much easier schedule next season, but you still got to – I think they still got to pull one out like they did against Georgia, whether it's mm-hmm. Clemson or Florida, you know, Tennessee. They've got to beat some of those teams, and he's just got to stop – losing to the teams he shouldn't and if he's got I think if he's got one of those left like if they lose to one of these bottom tier teams I think his ass is going to be gone yeah I think both these guys are at bad shape I think they both were wanted I think they both the the admin wanted to fire them last year and they just couldn't you know and (laughs) what's crazy about Muschamp is you know South Carolina still going to have an extremely tough schedule next year mm-hmm. Vanderbilt you know expectations aren't crazy there but you know if you're not making bowl games then they can find somebody that can so I think they're both they're both on the edge right here absolutely but so. I think must champ must champ must champ the most though mm-hmm. so recap that real quick just the, those are the last two that are all these are the hottest of the hot will must champ Derek Mason a notch below for me, Gus Malzahn with a four, Kirby Smart at a three, Jeremy Pruitt and Jimbo Fisher at a two, Kiffin, Drinkwitz, Leach, Mullen, and Pittman all at a one, and Nick Saban, Mark Stoops, Ed Orgeron all at a zero. Zero hot seat for those guys. But that's where I got it going into 2020. And, hell, the SEC so competitive. We started the show talking about the – million these schools are making. You go out there and lay an egg, you can go from a zero to a five in a a damn hurry in the SEC and and vice versa. So uh, that's the best part of it. I mean, this this stuff, it matters to all the fan bases, and uh, you get a couple drinks in you, and (laughs) you you watch your coach. Go on, buddy. (laughs) That's it, man. It's it's. What, what have you done for me lately, Mike? So that's that's the beauty of college football. And, you know, I remember last year we were talking about, man, isn't it crazy that none of the coaches got fired? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, we're like, and we're like, oh, look at all these new coaches, you know. So you just never know, man. That's what's so cool about the SEC. Absolutely, Shane. So I think that's going to do it for this one. Unless you got anything before we hop off here? No, that is it, Mike. Uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. We're probably going to get another one out here after National Signing Day. Uh, but, Mike, it's just good to be back and, and hanging out with these cats. And I appreciate everybody taking the time to give the rating and review. We do got some new ones. So, uh, after the recruiting podcast, I'll be sure to read those. So, if you've got a, an iPhone or a, 
uh, Apple product that you can leave a five-star review. That really does help us out a lot. And I'll be sure to read those on the next show. Absolutely, Shane. So that's going to do it. Uh, Thanks for joining me. As always, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. He likes Pruitt. Yeah. I, he's just so damn mad, Mike, that you gave him a two flame. Uh, this flame was a lot higher to start of the last season. You know what I'm saying? But he, he turned it around, and I, I get that. Oh, my gosh, Mike. Since I started talking. But did you talk about Jimbo at all? No, not or yet. Or just all Pruitt? Just Pruitt. All right. Well, let, let me let these guys get inside here. <laughs> Because they're not my, and you know, I give them a hard time, Mike, but they're just trying to protect me. You know what I'm saying? They're just saying, hey, somebody's at the door. Why are you yelling at me? I'm trying to save your life, you fat ass.